Well, good morning again, and uh, happy Easter again. I'm George Lumpkin. I'm a lead pastor here at Fredericksburg United Methodist Church. And before I begin, let us pray. Almighty and gracious God, we, uh, we've been through so much, and we are so happy to get to this day, this resurrection day, this new life day, this new beginning day. We pray for your Holy Spirit to fill our hearts and minds and lives that we might hear through your scriptures, through your proclamation, through this music. We may hear today what you would say to us, what you would want us to know deep in our hearts. We thank you and praise you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, that uh, video that you just watched was from a year ago and uh, how different life can become in just one year. And here lately, how different life can become in just a few weeks. I've uh, written a uh, sermon and I titled it. Last night I was working on it. I titled it COVID-19 Easter Sermon, April 12, 2000. 20. I can't believe that that's the title of my sermon, but I had to get that down. What a strange time that we're in. And as we began the year 2020, I'm sure right now this is not the year that we anticipated. Uh, in fact, and I can't believe that I've actually got one of these now. Uh, this is my social distancing stick. Okay, I didn't make this, but I acquired it, okay? I think back in January, if I had talked about a social distancing stick, um, probably several of you would have called uh, a psychologist or a psychiatrist or somebody to come and get me and get me back on the meds. That's how fast it can change, right? Um, I acquired this uh, Friday morning, good Friday morning. Uh, there was a huge distribution of food here in the community from the Capital Area Food Bank. And Pastor Jackie and I went down uh, to observe, and they had these social distancing sticks, and I, I had to have one. Um, and it, it was a highly organized, amazing food distribution. Capital Area Food Bank uh, has been coming here to Fredericksburg once a month, uh, for I think several years now, but uh, they knew that this was going to be a really different one and a whole lot more people showing up for food. And so they, they had to really organize it. And I want to do a shout out. I want to do a shout out uh, for John Willoughby and the Good Samaritan Center. Uh, they worked hard on getting this organized. Uh, shout out, of course, to the Capital Area Food Bank and the heroic work that they're doing right now and, and for everybody that's contributed time and money and food uh, to the Capital Area Food Bank. Uh, shout out to First Baptist. Usually they do this food distribution at the Good Samaritan Center, but again, they knew this was going to be huge. And so First Baptist offered uh, to use their facility. They've got great parking lot and it worked perfectly and uh, so thank you brothers and sisters at First Baptist uh, for making that to happen and then we had a lot of volunteers down there there were volunteers from our church from Rotary from all over the community I think 4-H usually helps on the kind of normal sorts of months 
Uh, I think I have a few pictures. Uh, there's the 18-wheeler from Capillary Food Bank. I mean, just imagine how much food is getting distributed. And then I think I've got another picture of uh, the volunteers loading the food. Okay. Uh, because of the need for safety and social distancing, people had to remain in their vehicles. And so instead of a line of people getting food, uh, there was a line of vehicles. And they would drive up and the volunteers who were wearing masks and gloves would put a box of food in each vehicle. Um, I've got another picture of Pastor Jackie. Here we go, wearing her mask and gloves. And um, I just kind of had to include that one. We didn't actually, we actually didn't do the work. We just went down and volunteered. They already had uh, a lot of volunteers already signed up. And so I just, I just kind of wanted to go down and, and see what it was. There's another picture of uh, just the line of cars. Okay, a long line of cars going in. And then uh, finally, a picture of uh, Tammy Anderson, our Wesley nurse. And she's out there directing traffic. And uh, this is where uh, I saw the social distancing sticks. Someone made these for those who, are drew, who were uh, directing traffic because somebody would drive up, they roll down their window to tell you who they are, et cetera, et cetera. And so they would use these sticks to stay at least 12 feet away from the car window so that uh, everybody would be safe. And when I saw those uh, sticks, I thought, I, if, if I've ever seen a sermon illustration slash prop, it's that. I got to have one of those. Okay, I'll show it to my grandkids someday. This is what 2020 was like, social distancing sticks. And it's something. Well, John Willoughby uh, was sharing with me that they passed out 380 boxes of food. They passed out everything they had to, to pass out. Uh, 380 households. Now, of course, that's a lot. Um, but he said that during a more normal month, they still pass out about 160 boxes of food uh, on a normal month last year for example. Um, John said that in our community, a lot of that food goes to retirees, to the elderly. That in our community, there are more than a few uh, retired households where they have a very small income, just, just a minimal social security payment, and that's it. And they need a box of food just to get through the month. Uh, John said it's called food insecurity. That there are, are households in our town that are food insecure. Hard to, hard to imagine that in Fredericksburg, isn't it? Um, of course, on Friday, there were a lot more younger people there and not poor people, but working middle-class people who suddenly don't have a paycheck. And it's hard for me to really think about that, to imagine that. I, you know, if I go down to the grocery store and the shelf is empty and they don't have what I want to buy, um, I'm just inconvenienced. If they had it, I would buy it because I have the money. 
but uh, to go down to the store and to see what you need, but you don't have the money to buy what you need, uh, that would be pretty, pretty terrifying, I think, particularly if you've got a family that you're trying to take care of. And so that's the year that we're in, right? Uh, think back to New Year's. Think back to what you were doing New Year's Eve or New Year's Day. Uh, watching sports, right, would be one thing, which you're not doing now. Um, but New Year's, uh, what was that, 12 weeks ago, 13 weeks ago? Just a few weeks ago. Think of how much the world has changed in just a few weeks. And think about what you were doing or anticipating that, that the year 2020, this is not what you thought would happen. This is not the future that you anticipated. This is not the reality that you probably were praying for and hoping for and anticipating. This is not the way it was supposed to turn out. Amen? This is not the reality that we were supposed to have this year. I'm sure that 12 weeks ago, you couldn't imagine that in a very short amount of time, you'd be wearing a surgical mask just to go get groceries. Huh? That uh, there would be empty shelves in HEB. And that you had to stand in line just to get some food or maybe drive in a line of cars just to get some food. We spent the last how many years talking about overeating and now we're worried about undereating. Worried about not having enough. You probably couldn't have imagined that Main Street would be empty of tourists and stores closed and so many delightful things canceled. No prom, no graduation ceremony for your kids or, or grandkids, no family gatherings for spring. So much loss, so many things that we anticipated, but no more. Or maybe you couldn't imagine that you would have a loved one in a nursing home and you're not allowed to visit them. Or worst yet, and, and not here, thank God, but the unexpected death, the unexpected funeral, or worse yet, an unexpected death and not being allowed to have a funeral. We couldn't have imagined it. This was not the future we were hoping for. This is not the kind of future we were anticipating. I read an article recently called This Thing That You're Feeling is Called Grief. And it was kind of a, a psychological uh, debriefing, I guess you would say, of what we're feeling emotionally. Um, you know, a, a lot of this for me so far is, is, is inconvenience. <laughs> but it, it's still a time of grief. It's still a time of loss. It's, it's still a time of struggle. In the Bible, uh, what that would normally be called would be lament, grief, lament, sadness at all the endings, at all the disappointments. 
at all the shortfalls suddenly cast upon us, grief and lament and sadness tinged with fear and anxiety at how deadly and deathly the whole world seems to have suddenly become for us. In the future, which was not supposed to turn out this way. Now in our scripture for today, the story of that first day, the story of that day we now call Easter Day. The women who followed Jesus, his disciples, his throngs of believers. I can imagine that they felt the same way except maybe to the 10th power, maybe more intensely than we can even imagine that the future they thought they had, the future as they imagined it to be was suddenly not to be at all. The future that they were hoping for felt pulled out from under them. The women, I imagine, were walking slowly to the cemetery, tears rolling down their cheeks, grief, lament, sorrow, endings, nothing left to do except go to the cemetery and, and have a good cry over all the disappointment, all the things that you imagined that were going to happen, but it's not going to happen now. The world as they understood it changed even more quickly for them than it, than it has for us. It's just a week earlier that they were having what we now call Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And Jesus, he was going to be the king. We were going to be at his right hand and his left hand. He, he was going to be the Messiah that we've all prayed for, the Messiah that we've all dreamed of, the, the Messiah that we longed for this Messiah that would come and, and bring justice into a world that just is so filled with so much injustice. This Messiah that would bring an era of peace into an all too violent world. This, this Messiah that would bring health and healing to a, a broken and dying and sick world. He was going to right all the wrongs. And in the blink of an eye, the, the wrong wins. The injustice and the violence wins. They torture him. They kill him. They destroy everything that he stood for. Their, their anticipated beginning is shattered and now feels like nothing but an ending kind of endings that the world seems to always be so good at bringing about. And so they go to the cemetery to mourn over all that was lost and all that was gone forever. But they're on their way to the cemetery and expecting nothing better. Uh, expecting no kind of future to delight in. But something's going on down in the cemetery. There's earthquakes and there's angels who look like lightning. I can't even imagine what that looks like. Guards who are so 
paralyzed with fear. You think maybe they're dead. Stones that are rolled away in the cemetery. Everything's supposed to be fixed and locked down. Stones aren't supposed to be moving. And it says that they are, were filled with fear. And, you know, we talk about angels, but if there was an angel down at the cemetery waiting for you to get there because they wanted to talk to you, uh, I think it would be fear. It would be fear. And an empty grave, graves aren't supposed to be empty down there. They're supposed to be filled with the dead. And so all these terrible and terrifying and strange things are going on. And it says that they are filled with fear and yet great joy. And I just think that was probably the perfect way to describe it, that it's, it's fear. But there's also a kind of great joy. And what, what is the joy? Uh, I, I really spent the week thinking about it. I mean, what is it at, at, the, at the very uh, foundation that is their joy? Is, is it kind of an intellectual joy that now we have some proof that there really is life after death? Um, is it just kind of like a go team? We're so glad that somebody that died actually gets to be alive again. Um, I think there's something here much more personal and much more foundational, this, this joy that they have. Now, I've been thinking about this social distancing stick, okay? And our quarantine and our shelter in place and our lockdown. Um, you know, Western culture, we are children of the Enlightenment, very much so. And one of the things, one of the basic tenets of the Enlightenment was the idea that, that the most basic thing is that we are individuals. We are self-contained individuals. And that's what matters the most. My feelings, my needs, my wants as an individual. And if I have to defy the institution or society, the greater good of, of me as an individual always is how it's supposed to be. Now, some would argue that we're post-enlightenment, and I think we really are in a lot of ways. Uh, but as far as being an individual, post-enlightenment is, is just enlightenment on steroids. I mean, it's all about the individual now, right? It's all about the only thing that really matters is what I believe and what I want and what I need. But now, we're at the ultimate stage of individual, right? And I've got my social distancing stick and maybe, maybe during this epidemic we're, we're learning something really fundamental. Maybe what we're learning is that I can't do this by myself. That I, I have to have relationships. I have to be connected. Uh, if, I'm not, if I'm not connected, if I'm not in relationship in natural ways, 
then uh, I'm lost. Jackie and I uh, went and delivered some Easter lilies to nursing homes and to some individuals. And, and we'd go up to the door and we've got our mask on and, and we're keeping our distance and they're keeping their distance. And oh my goodness, you could just see how people were just longing just, just for a hug, just come on in, have some coffee, let's eat together, let's sit and talk and, and just, I, I need, I need, I'm a relationship, it's such a clinical sounding word, but I, I need to be together with others. I read a thing one time that said the whole Robinson Crusoe idea that you're marooned on an island and you build whatever you need to build uh, in order to endure. It was just uh, uh, a, a, an enlightenment fantasy that people that really did get marooned, uh, they would begin to go crazy within a couple of weeks. That when we're totally alone, we can't do this. We are meant to be together. And I think in this scripture, the key is when they encounter the risen Jesus, and this just jumped out to me. He says, go and tell my brothers. Uh, the word is Adelphoi. It's, it's, it's a brotherly love. He doesn't say, go tell my disciples or my students. He doesn't go say, go tell those guys. He says, go and tell my brothers that I'm going to meet up with them. And I think in that moment, they get it. They get that he still loves us and we're still in this relationship with him. He, he told us that he would be resurrected, but we didn't believe him. But he still loves us. He said, stay with me. And we ran away in the dark. And he still loves us. We got it wrong. We make all these terrible decisions. We get things completely messed up. And, and it's a miracle. The resurrection is a miracle, but the reconciliation is the greater miracle. He, he still wants us. He still needs us. He still loves us, and yet he loves us with great power. He uses his power that he's not going to let death and he's not going to let evil and he's not going to let all the destructive forces of this world, the injustice, the violence, nothing is going to get between him and us. And that, that I'm still precious in his sight. I'm still valuable to him. That he would go through anything and do anything to still have me. I'm not alone. I'm not cut off from this source of love and power. So I have a pastor friend that uh, sent me a picture. And it's a drawing. It's not a photograph. And it, uh, it shows, I think, a nurse, although it could have been a doctor. Um, it shows a nurse, and she's tying a mask, a surgical mask, onto her face. And the caption up at the top 
says, the devil whispers in your ear, you're not strong enough to make it through this storm. Okay, so she's tying on this mask, but her surgical gown is a little open at the top, and underneath you see the Superman emblem. Okay, who she really is. And, and then down at the bottom, there's another caption, which has, uh, quite frankly, an expletive deletive in it, so I'm going to leave that out, and I have to paraphrase it differently for you just a little bit. Okay. But at the top it says, the devil whispers in your ear, you are not strong enough to make it through this. And at the bottom it says, it's the nurse replying, and she says, step back six feet, devil. Step back six feet. A friend said that his daughter works as an ICU nurse in a big city where they're, they're, they're under assault. And that this poster was in the ICU break room for the nurses. Step back. And as crazy as this sounds, I've been thinking that maybe, um, maybe that's the Easter message. Huh? Step back, devil. Step back, evil one. <laughs> you did your worst. You killed the Messiah. You thought you destroyed everything that was good. You thought you won and you didn't win anything. All you did was unleash infinitely more love and power into the world. Step back. Step back, pandemic. You've caused so many problems for us and this is hard and this is tough and this is challenging, but he is risen and we are not defeated. Step back. All that's wrong in the world, he is risen and he is loose and that love and that power is at work now in the world. This isn't just a story about something that happened. This is about what's going on now. Step back. Fear and anxiety and terror, step back, isolation, step back six feet, step back social distancing. We're doing it now because we love each other and Jesus wants us to show our love as best we can and this is how we're doing it. But, but we've got this. The church is on the move. Christ is alive. The Spirit is going to do all kinds of new beginnings. It feels like a lot of endings and it is a lot of endings and we have to be honest about our grief. But step back. He is risen. He is risen. It's easy to get caught up in that fear. But He is risen. And we can dare to be filled with great joy even now. Amen. Oh,